so it's a very critical time to stay in the game. Amen to that. That is a word of the Lord. Yeah, I let's just open in prayer. Just in a short meeting. Um, we can just stay in the place of prayer even while we meet, and that's what this room is about. It's about prayer and worship. But sometimes we have some teaching so that we will be fueled to pray more. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time. We ask you to be right at the center of this, Lord. This gathering right here, right now, God. We pray that we would continue to respect and honor, Lord, your presence. Presence of the Holy Spirit. The very Trinity, God, that resides in this room. We would understand and treat holy that which is holy. That this space has been consecrated to you for worship, for prayer, for encountering you, to spend time with you. God, we would, we would have understanding of holy space. And we would all treat it holy. For it's been dedicated, it's been consecrated to you. Lord, every day, I thank you for this space. I thank you, Lord. What a sign and a wonder in the earth what um, Cindy just said right now, a birthing time. It is, a, it is a new time, a new season, a new day, a new time to birth prayer rooms and many other things too, but a new time to birth prayer rooms. Just in our uh, field of the woods, so to speak, Lord, we see that this is what you're doing. You're building a wall of prayer that is global. And like Nehemiah, this wall will connect one to each other all across the globe. There will be a connect. We won't always be spread apart on the wall because there will be so many praying in churches, in prayer rooms. Churches will become houses of prayer they're not already because you see your church as a house of prayer Lord so we know that you will have your way and before the first seal is broken the prayer movement will be in full swing the incense will be going up night and day across the globe before one seal in the book of Revelation is opened the bowls are full before the first seal is opened. Full of incense. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that. We pray that it would seek, it would sink down into us, Lord. And we would get new fire to pray more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. What a blessing to have comrades. What a blessing to have comrades that pray. And when I see each of you, I see faithfulness. I see steadfastness. I see vigilance, diligence. Keep coming back. All of you keep coming back. It's, it's a sign and a wonder. 
you know? It's amazing, because from the outside looking in, it doesn't look very impressive. Prayer rooms don't look very impressive. Most of the prayer rooms that I know about are kind of like ours, you know? They have imperfect people doing imperfect sets with a heart to do it, <laughs> right? God sees that. He sees the heart. It's so precious to him. So, so precious to him. We cannot underestimate what God is doing right in our midst. We cannot underestimate it. It's so special. It's a prayer culture. And we haven't had prayer culture very well, right, in the church. It's more like we go to prayer meetings, but a prayer culture is where all the members are praying. They have a lifestyle of prayer. And what's coming out of them is from an inner life, a hidden life with God, a history with God, right, individually, that's being manifest. And then we come together to pray, and it blows up. Like, when we all have that history with God in and of ourselves, you know, we have a history with God. So even when things go awry or we get messed up or we get off or we have trouble in the earth, right, we all face those things, we have a history in God. So we can go back and go, ah, but look, the Lord was faithful here and here and here and here and here. So he will be faithful right now. Even when I don't see him, even when I don't feel him, even when I feel cruddy, <laughs> you know, we can get down on ourselves because we just feel like, wow, I screwed up or I'm not very good at this or other people can do it better or whatever. I mean, we can tell ourselves a hundred different negative things, most of which are not true. I'm telling you, um, you know, dance message on the accuser, like, which he had a few weeks ago. It's sticking with me and I think with others if you hear it, but you know, we accuse in three different ways, okay? They're the accuser of the enemy is the devil, right? And devils, right? They And the devil has no power over us as believers. None. He has no authority over us. When we get saved, we come into Christ. We have a new nature. We are a new person in Christ. He has no authority over us whatsoever. But if we agree with him, he gains a little foothold in the agreement. He needs our agreement to mess us up. And so how does he do that? Well, he sits on our shoulder and accuses, right? And so if we come into agreement with that, whether it's accusing ourselves Right? He, he wants us to come into agreement with accusing ourselves, with accusing someone else, or accusing God. Those are the three ways. And uh, if we come into agreement with any of that, we're giving him access. You know? Um, fear, same way. Do you know that fear demons are the smallest ones? I mean, I can't tell you that biblically. I don't have a Bible verse on that. <laughs> this is just my experience in the Lord, right? I feel like the Lord showed me that. That fear demons are the ones that just sit on your shoulder. They're about this big, maybe. They're like flies. 
They just try to get you to agree with being afraid. Mm. And they're literally the smallest ones that you can shoo off with a prayer. Just shoo them off like a fly. But little demons of fear keep people in bondage their whole lives. They keep them paralyzed. It's so the enemy. So that's a big one to, to reject, rebuke, tell it to go. No, I am not making any decisions out of fear. I will pray and wait and have faith and then move forward. And like, don't go down that route of fear because it's not the Lord. And he, he, did, he says, perfect love casts out all fear. There is no reason for us to fear. Um, I mean, this week I was, I was uh, just pondering different things. You know, I mean, we can get overwhelmed with what's going on circumstantially in the earth, in our public school, in, you know, whatever. We all see the news whether we want to or not, because it comes across our phone, right? So, and some things are, are just disturb. many things are very disturbing and overwhelming, and the problems are so big, and I, and I think, oh, you know, it almost seems as if even God can't solve this problem. You know, it sort of feels like that. I'm like, this is so bad, I don't even know if God can handle this, right? Which is so ridiculous. And then I started pondering how the Lord does it in history, like in the Bible. How does he, what does he do? Because this word says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it. And he does that. And you see it all throughout scripture, everywhere. Judges over and over and over. You read in the book of Judges. Every single judge, he was raising up a standard against the you know, the depravity of man that's going, right? He raises up another judge. But it's everywhere. And, and not only that, but I was thinking how he does it. Because sometimes the odds seem so out of balance. Like, it seems like, oh my gosh, you know, the enemy is wreaking havoc in big numbers. And, and, I, and, I, and the army of God seems so small and weak, right? And you just think, this isn't, this isn't equal. Like, how are we going to handle this battle? Well, how, he, how does he do it in Scripture? It's so crazy how he does it. He raises up like one teenager. You know, like David. <laughs> one teenager will come and bring a shift to a nation. What? You know, you look at Gideon, David, Moses, Joseph. One person. And they're so weak. They're so weak. And God wants them that way because then they depend on him. And then they all know this is the Lord. This wasn't me. They know it's the Lord. And I mean, just, I, I just, I'm so struck by that. You know, one apostle Paul turned the world upside down. He preached to like seven million people or something like that, and it basically turned the then known world upside down by raising up one man. And so I'm just, I'm like, 
I'm struck by that because what are we going to see when the Lord says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh in the coming days? I'm going to pour out my spirit so much that it will be as, as though the waters cover the sea, like it's going to be global. What are we going to see? You know, I mean, even in the book of Revelation, who does he raise up? Two witnesses. Two guys, you know? Two guys. It's crazy. You never really see that he, you know, that he's raising up like. It's always a few people, and the few people turn the tide, and then a bunch of people jump on, right? But there's, but there's those, and that's why these scriptures that we pray over and over and over, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, right? The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole land so that he can strongly support those whose hearts are given over. It's crazy how hard he's looking. Is there anyone whose heart is given over to me completely? I'm looking. I'm looking for that person. So when I find that person... <laughs> I'm going to pour out my spirit on them and they're going to bring a shift. Like searching to and fro. And then, you know, we tie that in with the prayer movement with Zechariah chapter 4, which we pray over and over and over. The eyes of the Lord, right, are searching to and fro. He doesn't despise the day of small, small things. He's talking about building the house of prayer. He's using these same parallel scriptures He's saying the eyes of the Lord look to and fro. Same thing in Zechariah 4 in the context of building the prayer room. That's the context. And he says, we rejoice to see the plumb line. You know, and the hand is removable. The plumb line, it's like the beginning. You use a plumb line to begin construction. It's the first thing you do. You need to find, you know, level, straight, up and down, (laughs) so that your walls are all not... Like that, right? I rejoice to see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel, right? He's talking about the beginning, the beginnings of global prayer. He's so happy to see this. And that's, I mean, that's where we're at. And this thing, this thing is taking off. I don't know if you guys see numbers and things. I've been seeing airplane numbers for months, 737, 727, 747. Yeah, it's just, it's like flight, 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 take off, you know? I've been seeing that for I don't know how long, and it is about to take off. And if you haven't heard, um, I posted on our group meet. If you're not on the group meet, I'll tell you about it. But um, on the IHOP Kansas City website, there is an interview with Dr. Sam Storms. Listen to that. Dr. Sam Storms, now he has been a part of the IHOP family forever. He and Mike go way back. But Sam Storms in and of himself is a, um, a leader in the body of Christ in the evangelical world. He has a church. He is very well recognized. He is, in fact, I think he is the president of the Evangelical Association of America. Like, he's the president. Like he's, he's a top guy in that group of people, right? Evangelical world, right? Most of evangelical world does not know about IHOP. 
And what they do know, they're kind of scared. Like, is that a cult? What are they doing? They're praying a lot. That's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> Whatever, and you can read all kinds of slander and lies on the internet about it as well, which are not true. Um, but people get afraid, you know? There's fear. Anyways, Sam Storms, he just felt like the Lord was calling him to start writing blogs and just say, people need to know the truth of what is happening because Mike will not defend himself. He, the Lord told him not to years ago. Just said, just keep your mouth shut. And he has, and he does. He does not defend himself. He just loves others. He builds up the body of Christ. He knows that these leaders mean well, right? He doesn't judge them. But, and he will not defend himself. But Sam Storms is like, I'm going to start writing a blog and let people know what is happening in this room because they don't know. And it's so amazing they need to know. So he starts, he, he put out a number of blogs, which I, I haven't read yet, but um, people are getting blown away by it. And anyways, there's an interview. That's what I listened to. Jim sent it to me. Um, I invite you to listen to it. It's worth 30 minutes. It's highly worth your time to listen to this. And one of the things, the reason why I say it's taking off the airplanes, I mean, this is just a little interesting fact. Okay, so Sam Storms writes these blogs, whatever. Um, Francis Chan, he's another really big name in evangelical world, right? Well, he was invited to come speak at the One Thing Conference, you know, some years ago. Tons of leaders in the body of Christ were saying, don't go there. Those people are weird. They're strange. You know, you know? they were really warning him. And he's like, um, I need, you know, okay, let me ask some people, right? So he talked to John Piper. John Piper is a very big name in evangelical world, right? He's a man of God. He preaches the Bible. Anyways, Piper is really good friends with Sam Storms, right? So basically, Piper says, Mike Bickle, he totally loves the Lord, you know? Gives him a thumbs up. So Francis Chan comes, speaks at the one thing, falls in love with Mike, can't, just loves this prayer movement. He's like, wow, I found my tribe, like, <laughs> I didn't even realize, you know? Like, was so impacted, you know? But for these threads to happen, where it's opening up into the mainline Christianity, you know, in America, I feel like it's pretty big. You know, it's going to take some time before it completely begins to open up. But there's this word in the prophetic history that... They're gonna, the Kansas City will go from 500 staff to 5,000 staff overnight. Mm. Like, that has never happened. Mm. You know, because they were on a trajectory going up, you know, increasing in staff up to about 1,400, 1,500 staff at one point. And then we hit what I call the famine years. And there was a great pruning in, in that prayer movement. Every prayer room that I know felt it big. Lost people, lost finances just got pruned back. Difficulty, trials, tribulations, getting kicked out. Of, we weren't the only prayer room to get kicked out of places. <laughs> Other prayer rooms got kicked out of places. You know? And um, 
the famine, you know, I just call them the famine years. And so, um, where was I going with this? Oh, so the history, they went from 1400 back to 400 and some. I mean, and so there's a huge pruning in Kansas City, and many of you know that m some core leaders were sent out to other places. Corey Russell, Alan Hood being two of them, you know, as well as a host of worship leaders sent out to other churches. And so, um, so that word, 500 to 5,000, has not happened. Um, there's also a word that has to do with Arrowhead Stadium if you've listened to the prophetic history, if you haven't, please do so. It's highly important. It's very supernatural. But um, the word about Arrowhead Stadium, um, no disease known to man will stand against the people who have given over themselves to the Lord. I mean, there's a, there is a vision of Bob Jones where there's a procession that goes from Blue Ridge Road down, all the way down to Arrowhead Stadium. It's like a straight shot in Kansas City where this, you know, thousands of people are marching toward Arrowhead Stadium and they're getting healed and people in wheelchairs are pushing their wheelchairs, that kind of thing, right? It's part of the history that it's gonna break out. There's no disease known to man will stand against these people giving themselves over. So. This, this whole word has to do with Arrowhead Stadium, and so there's a thing coming, um, and it's, it's probably not the thing yet, but it, I think it's a sign. Arrowhead Stadium, um, whoever runs that stadium, asked the send, Lou Ingalls, right? Mm -hmm. Spiritual sons is the send, went from the call to the send. Arrowhead Stadium sought out the send to come and do a event at their stadium. Like, the send was not asking Arrowhead Stadium, we want to use your stadium to do this event. The stadium is asking them to come to do an event. How unusual is that? Right? And so the send is coming to Arrowhead Stadium. I don't know what the dates are. I'm not totally. When is it? Next year? I'm not sure. But I, I know I see like Lou Engle on his Instagram in Arrowhead Stadium. They're having prayer meetings there sometimes, you know, leaders are meeting. I just see it on their Instagram because it's, it's highly unusual that the stadium would be inviting in. You know, hopefully I have the facts right on this. You could check it out and tell me if I'm off. but. Um, that's how I heard it. And so that is on the horizon. And of course, IHOP is all in with Lou Engel and this event. So it's all going to be one family doing this uh, prayer event at Arrowhead Stadium. But I think it's the beginning of things to come. It might not be the thing in the history that we're like waiting to happen. But I think it's the beginning of this um, this thing. So I don't know. I think it's about ready to take off. And um, I just want to encourage all of our hearts, you know, to just um, stay on the wall of prayer, be on the wall of prayer, be vigilant, be diligent. Um, 
the other night I was at a football banquet, Josiah's um, football end of the year banquet, and the coach said, um, he was quoting someone, something I prayed this morning, um, this this uh, documentary that they watched in football about this certain person. Um, but the quote was, you know, um, live with the end in mind, die empty. And it's so powerful. It's like, what if we all wrote our obituaries? Wow. For real. Like, how do you want to die? You know? What do you want people to say about you? If we have that in front of us, we're going to take steps in that direction so that we spend all, we die empty. In other words, we give all in order to reach the goal that Christ has, right? Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul said it in that, in that scripture, I lay hold of that which he laid hold of me for. That's all of us, you know? He has laid hold of us. He has a, a purpose for our lives, and we need to lay hold of him for that which he laid hold of us for. Die empty, like Jesus died giving all. So it's, it's the most powerful thing to think about, you know, how then shall we live if we see the end? And I've heard Mike say it before, too. Mike has already settled it in his heart that at the end, he's either going to be martyred or in prison. He's like, that's how it's ending. <laughs> Martyrdom or prison, that's probably what it's going to be. Not that he knows that prophetically, but he's going, that's probably where it goes. You know, because he reads the Bible. That's where it goes. So, knowing that, it's like, how then do you live? You're already dead. You're already a dead man, right? Living for Jesus. Like, you, you're living for another age when you know that. When you have a martyr spirit, you can give all now. He can be a living martyr. He doesn't want us just to die for him. He wants us to live sold out. You know, live as martyrs. So it's so powerful, and we just need to stay faithful and continue to be awake, to be vigilant. This thing about the wall of prayer is really on my heart. It's the book of Nehemiah. Other people have been in the book of Nehemiah that I keep running into. I keep seeing it quoted, and I'm like, Nehemiah is a word right now. Yeah. I just believe that it is a word, and there's a there's a scripture in there that has to do with the night watch that I'm really pondering right now, and that I think a lot of other prayer rooms are really pondering too. They're like, how are we going to get the night watch? You know, there's a, a Korean leader of a prayer room Korea that says, whoever gets the night takes the city. There's something to that. Nehemiah had to set up the night watch. He had to. Because the enemy would just tear down what they worked on so hard during the day. They had to, like, some of them stayed dressed, stayed awake, had a weapon in one hand. They were so vigilant, so diligent. And I'm like, how do we get this night watch? The Moravians had it. They did it in weakness. Other people can do it in, there's adoration rooms all over that are going 24-7. They have people coming in, taking a shift, 1 to 2 a.m. This is my 1 to 2 a.m. shift this, you know, on a Tuesday. 
I'm like, they keep the room open. You know? So pray with me, please, into the night watch. I don't think the way IHOP has done it is the only way to have, you know, a company of people who turn over their whole schedule and try to live in the night and be asleep in the day. That is one way to do it. It's not the only way. We can take shifts. Almost anybody can give up a little sleep for one hour, one day a week. Yeah, it messes you up for a while, but it's unto the Lord. It's an awesome sacrifice. So sweet. There's nothing like being in here in the night. It's so, so special. That's why Jason, he's like a hooked maniac for the night watch, you know? Because he did it, and he encountered God, and he can't. He can't get over that. He's not going to get over that. He's going to keep pressing to be with the Lord in the night because of what he got in the night. But it's more than just about your personal life with God, which ends up like really getting on fire. It's about what the Lord is doing. And, and there's something so strategic in terms of the spirit of the age and the spirit of God rising up, it's very st- strategic in the spirit to have the night watch. So please pray with me into that because even if it's like one night a week where we start, we each have two people in here for an hour, whatever, maybe we could open up one night yeah. and not mess everybody up, right? We're going to be a little sleepy the next day, guaranteed. However, God gives grace, and he fills your heart with joy while you're doing it. And I've had that happen, and I know it's real. So um, pray with me into that, because I I feel like it's very strategic. It's going to happen. Um, I'll just kind of end with this. Josiah, pray for him. Um, He's at ORU this weekend, and uh, he was really sick yesterday. I don't know what he got, but I think it's just a little food poisoning or something. So please say some prayers. He hasn't eaten for over a day. Um, he's trying to hold something down a little bit now, but, you know, he's supposed to be competing for a scholarship, you know, um, this weekend. But um, what I was going to say is that this is the first time he hasn't had a sport in all of his high school years. Normally he'd be in basketball right now like going from football to basketball. He's not doing basketball. His best friend, Franco, has always been a swimmer, year-round swimmer, right? Franco's like, I'm done. I'm not going to swim in college. I'm I'm done. I'm burnt out. (laughs) Right? That's what happens. Two of them, best buddies, right, love the prayer room. They're talking to each other. Let's get that prayer room open in the afternoon. You know? Let's give God this time that we would be doing sports. That's how they're talking. So pray with me into that. We could open in the afternoons with teenagers leading the way. Be super awesome. And I just love that they want to give themselves to the Lord in the place of prayer. Um, Josiah has been a, a a light. He's been such a light at the school and in the, on the football team. We were at the banquet, and it's 
what amazes me, you know, he, he gets all the awards, right? But what amazes me is that what's behind it. What's behind it is his secret history in God. And so he's shining. It's because of the secret history in God, you know? He knows that. He's not, he's like, he's okay if he doesn't get the award. He's just as, he'd be just as happy as if his friend got that award, you know? Because he has that secret history in God. But it's being noticed, you know? It's being noticed by coaches, by friends, by, you know? And um, I just say that because that's, you know, he's got something that others are noticing, and they're like, how? Like, how? Why are you like that? You know? Like, why... I don't get it. Like what, you know? And they don't know, like they don't they don't know about the prayer room. They don't know about how you get a secret history, you know? And so, anyways, I just think the Lord's doing something in all of that. You know, and and I just look I just look forward to seeing what, you know, what God's gonna do next. I don't know. I wanna <laughs> I'd love for those football coaches to come in here because I know if they did, they would love it. Mm -hmm. They'd love the Lord. Awesome people, you know? Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be in here. I really do. And they're going to be like, okay, we need to pray. You know, maybe they can take it back to their churches and go, we need to pray. Like, this produces what we're wanting for our kids. They get a secret life in God, you know? So, I've been talking way too much. All right, let's close this up. Lord, I just, we just thank you so much, God, for what you're doing. Thank you so much for this holy ground. Thank you for Jim, for the holy ground in Sacramento that's being established right now. Wow, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Have your way, Lord. Yes, God. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, God. Let there be a great shifting, a great turning. Lord, we just, we see that in a minute this thing's going to really take off. When, when Nehemiah got the wall built in 52 days, the enemy despaired. The enemy went, oh, no, because they understood it was a work of God. Lord, I just pray for that same spirit that was on Nehemiah, Lord, to be on your leaders and the prayer movement, Lord, and on the people that would have a mind to work. Lord, we ask you for that same spirit, Lord, that when Nehemiah said, I can't come down and talk to you for I am doing a great work. I don't have time for a conversation with my enemies. I really don't care what you're saying about me. I have to do this thing that God's assigned me to do. So, Lord, I pray for that for every leader, Lord. They wouldn't be caught up in conversation with those who would distract them from their job, from their assignment. Let us get a hold of that. God, I pray that we would become a burning place of incense prayer. East Bay Prayer Furnace. I ask you, God, let us be a furnace where the 
Incense is going up night and day. We might be small, but God, I pray we would be mighty in you. And that we would have people so committed, so dedicated, Lord, to you. That they desire to get in the room. Let me do that one hour on a Tuesday night from one to two. There will be volunteers in the day of my power, says the Lord. God, I ask you for those volunteers, even ahead of time, Lord. Even ahead of time, God, would you bring the volunteers that would say, can I do the 2 to 3 a.m.? Can I do the Monday night 2 to 3 a.m. set? Bring those volunteers, Lord. Those who know that what they're going after is a heavenly reward. They're going after something in God. They're going after a secret history in you, a prayer life. God, stir up the young people. Raise up the Davids. Raise up the Josiahs, Lord. The young people who would be given over to you 100% and not give up. They would not back down. They would be like David facing Goliath. They would not back down. They would have confidence because they have a history in you. They have a secret life in you. David knew you would take out that giant. He knew that he knew. It's not a problem for God. Whatever, I've already taken out a bear and a lion. No problem. He knew you. He had a secret life. He had a secret history. God, let us raise up these young people to have a history. And all of us, all of us to have a history in you, God. We would not back down from the enemy. Thank you, Lord. God, we pray you would seal all of these prayers. Seal your word in our hearts, Lord. When we go out of here, we wouldn't forget. We would carry it, God. We'd carry what's on your heart. We would carry it around on our heart. We would be so in tune with you, Lord. We would just carry it on our heart as we go, being a walking house of prayer. That's what we are. We're walking temples. We're walking prayer rooms. I ask you for that for each one of us. We would be like a locked garden, holy, sealed, walking out of here, God, with encounter, daily encounter, continual encounter. This is our lot with him. Continual encounter. It doesn't mean you feel anything in your senses. You might, you might not. But the truth is, is that he lives in your spirit. Yes. His spirit lives in your spirit. It's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit encounter 24-7, even while you sleep. God, I pray we would know that, that we would ponder that, we'd think about that. The continual encounter, it's real, it's for us. Thank you, Lord. God bless each one here. And each one that's not here, God. Each one. Let's just sit. Let's just wait on the Lord for another minute. Um, if there's a, a prayer on your heart that you would like to pray out, um, I just want to pray for Jim, Lord, that you would encourage his heart right now.
but I thank you that he's coming down tomorrow night, Lord, to be with us, to further encourage our hearts, that we're a little ways away on the wall, but we blow the trumpet and come together and encourage each other. So, Lord, I thank you for that, and I just pray, encourage him, encourage us. Thank you that he can come down. Just ask you for your covering, your protection, your blessing, your surrounding of angelic activity constantly while this work is being established and it's even attacked. Establish the work, God. Surround angels. Protect them. Establish the work. Thank you, God. If there's another prayer on your heart, go ahead and just pray it out if the Lord is putting something on your heart.